0: Well, I want to start back in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14, and just lay this foundation for what we're doing today. We have been teaching you for months on the processes that God uses to transform His people. And how many glad that He is making you more like Jesus all the time? It all started with the process of salvation, and then it includes, uh, you know, the fact that we're born again, we experience the new birth, then justification. He takes our sin, and then He gives us His righteousness. We talked about adoption. You're not orphans. You're part of God's family. Amen. Amen. You're part of the Am family. What family is that? I am blessed. Amen. I am forgiven. I am on my way to heaven. Can I have an amen? Amen. You are a part of that family and you are a son or daughter and you are an heir. We also talked about the fact that you've experienced redemption. You've been redeemed from the curse. Amen. Amen and you have been restored uh, to the blessing of God. We've talked about the fact that uh, God has imparted His Spirit into your life to transform your life. And we spend a good amount of time on sanctification, being set apart for God's glory and for His purpose. You're not uh, exactly all that He wants you to be today, but how am you glad you're making progress? Turn to somebody and smile and say, you're making progress. progress. Say it again, "I'm I'm making progress in Jesus' name. You can sit there and moan all day long about how you did this wrong and this isn't right and how you haven't got a hold of this thing yet, but you are moving forward. You just always don't realize you're moving forward. How do I know that? You're an American. Say it, I'm American. I'm American. (laughs) And you're in church. Amen. You see, that's no big deal. It is a big deal. One of the first things that goes in somebody's life is not right spiritually. is their desire to go to church and fellowship with the people of God. It is a big deal. So we've uh, set this up to, to end this particular series this year, the Year of Transformation, with understanding what glorification is all about. Now you heard these songs, and we sang these songs today about giving glory to God. That's not what glorification is, is giving praise and glory to you. It's actually much more fundamental than that and also more important in terms of your walk with God. All the glory goes to whom? all the praise goes to him amen so we're not talking about trying to get in God's way or take his praise and take his glory and take his honor but we are talking about something very very specific in scripture and it's God's will that there is glory manifested in the earth and back at 214 it says for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea how many of you know there's a lot of water out there well then there's going to be a lot of revelation of the glory in these last days In Isaiah 61, And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Isaiah saw something coming where the glory of God would fill the earth. That's backed up with scriptures like Psalm 5711, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. And then we talk about the fact that in Mark chapter 9, we saw Jesus literally transfigured before His inner core of disciples. And they saw Him speaking with Moses and the prophet, And they understood very little about what this meant, but when you see Jesus being transfigured in Scripture, it's not just seeing Jesus for who He really is, it's also seeing yourself as you're going to be. Come on, say, He's changing me. Uh, That's going to be you one day. Spotless. Amen? Amen? White, without fault, without spot, without wrinkle. That's what He's making His people into becoming. And so we talk about this and. We see that uh, glorification fits in with the other processes of transformation. You see this in Romans chapter 8, verse 30. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Now it's important to understand what glorification actually is. So let me just uh, take a little moment to explain this for those of you who have never had any teaching on the process of glorification. And it's not your fault. This particular process of transformation has not been well taught throughout the body of Christ, regardless of the denomination. So it's important you understand this. And let me just start by saying this. If you were an observer in the Garden of Eden years ago, look at somebody and say years ago. Um, you would have looked into the garden, you would have seen two balls of light, fellowshipping with each other and tending to the garden and one humongous ball of light, But there was a day when they chose to disobey God, and the light went out. And the first thing they noticed was that they were naked. Why did they notice all of a sudden they were naked? Because they were clothed, literally, in the light or the glory of God. If you looked at them, all you saw was light. They weren't naked, they were covered, literally, with the manifestation of the glory of God. And immediately they saw the nakedness and, and they did what we all do try to cover up themselves. They made fig leaves. There's nothing worse than trying to fashion a fig leaf suit for yourself. First of all, it's not going to last. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and God's like, that's not going to cut it. There is only one thing that will remit sins, and that is the shedding of blood. He provided the skin cost some animals their lives. And it foreshadows what Jesus would do with his blood. Aren't you glad he paid the price? Raise your hand if you're glad he shed his blood for you and for me. So God's saying, you know, this fig leaf business ain't going to cut it. You're going to have to have something substantive to deal with what you have done. And he fashioned skins for them and he covered them. But there are a lot of Christians, even in 2023, that they've gone past the part where they have sinned and they understood they had shame and guilt and past the part of the fig leaf, they have embraced the skin that God provided for them. They have embraced the blood of Jesus Christ. But that was never God's long-term or end game for us. His real goal is to go past the fig leaf and past the skin and restore the glory to us, the garment of glory that was lost because of sin. That's what glorification is all about. Does that make sense today? We did the sin thing. Say it, I did the sin thing. Say it, I did the fig leaf thing. I did the skin thing. Now it's time for the glory thing. To understand glorification, you have to understand what the glory is. Glorification is the restoration of the glory that was lost in the garden because of sin. Glory is God's manifest presence and power and goodness. Say The glory of God is His manifest presence and power and goodness. Come on, say it one more time. God's glory... Is his manifest presence, power, and glory. Now, how many with your spirit today you could witness that God's presence has been with us? Is he here? Wherever there are two or three gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst. That's what the Bible tells us. Theologically, that is the correct answer. When we're talking about the manifest presence of God, we're talking about God literally manifesting Himself, showing up in all of His glory and power and weight, and something actually happens. In other words, when we see His manifest power, we're not talking about a theological truth that He is all powerful. We're talking about He shows up and does some heavy lifting. He delivers somebody. He heals somebody. He saves somebody. He parts the Red Sea. Are you here today? When the enemies of God come after his people, he takes care of them and he wipes them out. It's not enough to say, well, we're facing a huge enemy like Jehoshaphat. What are we going to do? Our God is powerful. Our God is powerful. Our God is powerful. No, he's powerful in the sense that he showed up that day. Amen. And God routed his enemies. It's the same thing with his goodness. Say it with me God is good. How good is he? Y'all confused about that? Amen. Go back to English class. (laughs) How good is he? Well, how often is he good? That's the one you're looking for. How often? (laughs) He's good all the time. And you know what? Somebody tells you, if you've been kind of taught about the nature of God and somebody says God is good, what's a reasonable reply? All the time because he is good all the time. But that's different from saying that God actually manifested something, some aspect of His goodness. Before Mephibosheth was, was, you know, taken back to the king's table, God was good before Mephibosheth ever got there. But the manifested goodness was there when He was brought to the table. I got something to announce to you today. You're about to be brought to the goodness God, amen, His table, more than you've ever had in your entire life. You should expect not just theological truth of presence, power, and goodness, but actual manifestations of His presence. Manifestations of His power and manifestations of His goodness like never before. You say, well, pastor, it seems to me that evil is accelerating. Evil is increasing. Wickedness is everywhere. You got that right, but I remind you that when sin doth abound, grace, grace doth abound what? More. More. So don't be looking at all that. Be excited that God is accelerating the glorification of His people amen. to deal, amen, with the advancement of sin in this world. Right. There are more and more and more of you. I'm talking to you. Look at somebody telling me he's talking to you. <laughs> More and more of you who aren't afraid of the new birth, aren't ashamed of the Holy Ghost, aren't afraid to be called a Word person, you're not afraid of the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. You're not ashamed to talk in tongues. You're not ashamed to be bold for God. You're the very candidate God is looking for to manifest His glory in these last days. Amen. Amen. More of His power and presence and goodness in you, on you, and through you. Amen. There's a story that bears this out in... Uh, John chapter 6, and it says in verse 16, "...when evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, where they got into a boat and set, uh, set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. And when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened." Walking on the water, is that a manifestation of His power? Jesus calling from the other side, he's still powerful, right? This is a manifestation of his power. And they were frightened, but he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat. Don't you love that? Okay, I guess you can get in the boat. No, you should be, get in the boat, please. Some of y'all are like that. You'll try everything in the world to solve the problem yourself, and then if it all fails, okay, I guess you can get in the boat now. Let me give you a tip. Let him in the boat early. Moving right along. <laughs> they were willing to take him into the boat and he, immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. And if you don't read that carefully, you think they rowed out there and then Jesus got in the boat and grabbed the oar too. Row, 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 row your boat. That's not what happened. The text says... Instantly, Jesus in the boat, instantly to the shore. That's a manifestation of his power and his goodness. That water is not going to take you down and I'm accelerating something in your life. You'll see visions of this all the way through Scripture. And I am telling you that in these last days, He is advancing. He is accelerating His glorification process in His people. Now, you don't uh, misunderstand this concept. It's all going to be completed through Him at the end day. But how do you know we shouldn't wait for sanctification for the end day? That's pretty weak. We should be changing now. Well, He'll do it in the end. I don't have to do nothing. I don't have to be holy. Yeah, you do. And I don't know about you, I'm not going to wait for heaven to walk in my adoption rights now as a child of God. I'm not going to wait until heaven to walk as a redeemed person. And so I don't have to wait until I get to heaven to walk in glorification. But the perfection of that glorification is not going to happen to me totally here. Jesus will perfect that. But I should be increasing in that glorification. What does that mean? More of God's presence and power and goodness on my life, that sin compromised, but through the grace of God, He's now restoring in us and through us. Are you here today? Extri- Accelerating means to increase the speed of or velocity, make something happen faster or sooner. And that's what Jesus is doing with glorification in these final days. In fact, I think that uh, everything is speeding up. Yes. I think we are in this little sliver of time between, amen. the time of the church when Jesus returns and what we do, we need to do quickly. Amen. Amen. So everything that he has promised, everything he wants to do has to be accomplished before that second coming, which means it's going to take some of us being sped up in terms of our walk with God. I don't know about you, but when I think about God increasing and accelerating his goodness in my life, it makes me happy. I want more of His presence. I want more of His power. I want more of His goodness. Amen? I want to see God move in me and through me. Now I want you to see this if you go to Exodus 33, because this actually shows you how you set yourself up for advancement and acceleration in terms of the glory. It's an encounter here between Moses, the man of God, and God's glory. When you found it, say, so I found it. Amen. Now I'm reading to verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so that I may know you and continue to have favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other peoples on the face of the earth? And how many you know that's still true today? Yes. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, You cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I pass by. Then I will remove my hand, and you will see my face, but not be seen." One day, you'll see Jesus face to face. Amen. This particular time, no flesh can survive that kind of encounter. Nonetheless, if you look at this passage, uh, passage very carefully, you will see that what God is doing is showing you the elements right there in that story of His glory. Say His glory. His glory. What is He talking about? He's mentioning His presence. He's talking about His power. And He's talking about His goodness. Amen. Say it, His presence. His power Power. and His goodness. goodness. All throughout this building, say His presence presence. and His power power. and His goodness. goodness. Unless you go with this, we're done. Nothing's changed. Unless God's presence, power and goodness starts going with the church like it has never before, we're done. We're not going to fix this thing with little cute tricks and secret sensitivity and light strokes and smoke machines. Are you here today? Yeah. We need to be saying the same thing. Show us your glory. Yes. How many are hungry for more of His presence yes. and His power and His goodness? And in that scripture, it's, it's really amazing because God actually shows us what's necessary to see this acceleration. I'm going to give you three things that are critical to this you know, manifesting in your life like never before, but I'm going to zero in on one of these today in particular. Number one, we must know God. If you really want more of His glory, you must know God. This means an intimate relationship with Him. This means you know Him, but He also knows you. You can ask somebody on the streets, do you know Jesus? Yeah, I know Jesus, I'm a Baptist. Wrong answer. <laughs> yeah, I go to church, I'm a Methodist. Are you kidding me? I go to Hope Harbor, all the strange people go, I'm a No, wrong answer. Does he know you? Jesus was talking about people, talking about manifesting in the gifts and prophesying. And he said, depart from me, I never knew you. There's a reason Moses is having this kind of encounter. He knew God and God knew him by name. We're not talking about a casual relationship here. We're talking about something beyond a religious knowledge. We're talking about knowing him. And one of the ways you know God is uh, through his word. It's a principal way that you should know God. I saw a meme the other day and it said, uh, somebody's crying out to God, I want to hear God. And somebody says, read the Bible. And then they said, well, I want to hear God out loud. And they said, read the Bible out loud. <laughs> every once in a while, like a blind squirrel, you can find a nut of encouragement on Facebook. Amen. Just every once in a while. Shout it out. Read the Bible. Read out, loud. Out, loud. out loud. You're going to find out in these last days. You may be the only one there to preach to you. Right. What have you been preaching to yourself? Another time, another sermon. Another series. <laughs> you got to know Him. Moses knew God. God knew Moses. And that's the key. Um, you know, just religious exercises and going through the motions and calling yourself a Christian and identifying with Christian values, that's not enough. You have to know Him. What this world needs are people that know God. But this community needs are people that know God. Not just about Him second thing we notice here is we must ask God. What does the Bible say? We have not because we ask not. Prayer is always tied to the outpouring of the glory of God. I want you to shout that out. Prayer is always tied to the outpouring of the glory of God. Moses was bold. I mean, how many of us actually ever got before the Lord and said, I want you to show me your glory? Just that bold. We tend to look down on people that are bold in their faith with God. They're, they're arrogant and somehow think they're something. No, we know God is something. But I'm going to tell you something, church. God is never offended by the bigness of our asking. He is offended by the tiniest of our asking, the smallness of our asking. Be like Jabez Jabez who wasn't afraid to ask God to bless him. No shame, no apology, no red face. God, all oh that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. How about crying out, God, show us your glory. Amen. It ought to show up in our prayer life more than just in a song every once in a while. I'll take a better amen, amen than that. Amen. We got to know him. He has to know us and we have to ask him. Come on, say this out loud. We have not, we have not. because we ask not. Well, if that's the case, this is pretty easy to remedy. Saying, oh God, show me your glory. Well, he, God will just do what he wants you, didn't care if we ask or not. You'd be amazed how many times things were not done because God's people don't ask him. Well, he knows what we want, you know, he'll take care of it. It reminds me of that uh, other brother in, this, in the prodigal story. Um, one was lost in the pig pen. The other brother was lost in home. They were both lost. Yes. And he saw his father prepare this celebration and getting the fattened calf and all of a sudden he was angry. You know you got a problem in your heart when you get angry when another Christian gets blessed. He don't deserve that. I've been here faithful. I'm the one that should get all of this. Where's my ring? Oops, I already have one. Where's my robe? Oh, I got one of those too. Where are my sandals? Oh, I got those too. Well, what about my fattened calf? You know what his dad said? You could have had one any time if you had just asked. Instead of getting mad over your brother or your sister that has something, why don't you suck it up buttercup and ask? We're too busy trying to tell everybody what they shouldn't have. Well, that's waste. Just say, you know what, God, I want to see your glory. Come on, shut it out. Oh, God, Come show us, us your glory. That's a dangerous prayer. But it's required. We must know God. We must ask God. I don't think it would be inappropriate for you every day of your life to ask Him. And expect that He's going to manifest what? His presence and His power and His goodness. The glory manifesting is a solution to everything and anything you'll ever deal with in this life. In fact, the glory of God is a solution to everything going wrong in this country right now. Amen. 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 Number three, and this is what I want to focus more on with you today, is we must please God. Raise your hand if you really want to see more of His glory in your life. You've got to please Him. There's no magic formula here. It doesn't make any difference how long you've been a Christian or how many times you go to church a week or how much you give or what teams you serve on or how many missions trips you've made. You have to be in a position where you've actually pleased Him. Say, we must please Him. Ephesians five ten says, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. That's the key to this, the part of this message. Find out, discern what's pleasing to Him. If you're going to walk in the glory of God, Scripture says of, of Enoch in Hebrews eleven five. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. How many you know what Enoch experience could be described as an outpouring of the glory of God in his life? Similar experience for the prophet who disappeared as Elisha as you know, looked on. He pleased God. Can I say something to you? Amazing things always happen to Christians who are pleasing God. That was pretty pathetic for a spirit-filled crowd, so let me try that again. <laughs> God's always doing good things in people who please Him. That said, it's real important you and I take a real honest inventory as to whether we are pleasing Him or not. Because it's not my standard or somebody else's standard for you or yours for mine. It's what God thinks. Well, what pleases Him? glory seems to show up in the lives of those who please God. Glory seems to show up in the lives of people who please God. Glory seems to show up in the lives of people who please God. Glory seems to show up in the lives of people who please God. Glory seems to show up in the lives of people who please God. God. Glory seems to show up in the lives of people who please God. I want you going to bed tonight. Glory seems to show up in the lives of people who please God. Well, what pleases God? Write this down. Number one, purity pleases God. Your life, your motives, your words. Right out of the starting gate, Romans 12 has so much to say about the processes of transformation, and this one's not left out. It says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing unto the Lord. You can hardly find, and I don't know any exception to this, where God moved powerfully in a man or woman's life where purity was not the highest priority in their life. They didn't look for what they could get away with. They didn't go and find out what other Christians are doing. So it's like Jessica the planet says, I'm not looking for a way to pacify my flesh. I'm looking for ways to crucify my flesh. And you'll find those that are crucifying the flesh are candidates for purity. Therefore, they're going to be candidates for more of His glory. You turn on the TV or you read a book or you hear an article or something a tape about some great outpouring or some miracle that took place. You'll find out that there has never been, never will be an outpouring of God's grace and glory and His power where there wasn't an emphasis on purity and holiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, that simple understanding could cause you and should cause you to be excited. Oh, yeah. Because that is within the grasp of every person in this room. Every person in this room can walk pure before their God. It's completely and totally a matter of the will and the decision. No, I can't do it. It's just too hard. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You can put down those things God told you to put down. You can stop doing the things God told you to stop doing. Don't be looking for your Christian liberty. Look for God's power and glory. Holy and pleasing unto the Lord. Revelation 4.8, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. In Isaiah's vision, he saw him high and lifted up, and, and what were the angels singing? Holy, holy, holy. I can't remember which fellow from, uh, from the Moody, Moody Bible Institute originally said this, but... Uh, It's worth listening to, and we'll talk about more of this on our Wednesday series on the attributes of God, but I want you to get a hold of this today for your own purposes because if we're going to please God, we're going to have to be pure. Say, there's no pleasing God without purity. Say it again, there's no pleasing God without purity. One more time, there's no pleasing God without purity. And He said, notice when it comes to this holiness of God and purity of God, It says, holy, holy, holy. He said, you won't find anywhere in the Bible where it says faith, faith, faith. Or love, love, love. Or mercy, mercy, mercy. But you will find where God says, holy, holy, holy. And he tells us, be holy for I am holy. Without holiness, no man shall see, see the Lord. And we're thinking to ourselves, well, yeah, one day in heaven, but it's not just a revelation of what happens in heaven, it's a revelation of God's heaven coming to us now. You're not gonna see heaven, you're gonna see glory on this planet without walking in holiness. And it's been perverted. You know, people have taught, well, that's whether you wear makeup or not. My personal opinion, do it what you want, you know. You know, barn could use a can of paint every once in a while. You know, the bottom line is, who cares? <laughs> how long the sleeve is, how long the dress is. God's more concerned with how long the tongue is. Yes. And that's what became holiness. I'm saying, that's a substitute for what God's talking about. God's talking about a heart that's right, that steers the mouth, that steers the mind, that steers the body, that controls what we do. Not to how you dress and whether you have some jewelry on. You're missing the whole point of what Paul taught. Finding their association and identification with Christ by how they look rather than what their heart condition is actually like. Amen? Amen. We used to be called people in a church like this, holy rollers. I, I, I don't mind us not being holy rollers because most of us don't roll. Some of us are Lutherans. We barely clap but I hope it's not they stop calling us Holy Rollers because they're no longer holy. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Say it, holy, holy, holy. 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 Get this down. 1 Thessalonians 4. And then before that, Romans 88. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Sin is a glory repellent. This time of the year, how many glad for mosquito repellents? Those little candles that you light on faith that never seem to work. (laughs) I'm convinced that some of those things actually attract mosquitoes. But I was a kid, I could get bit by anything. I mean, any kind of vermin, you name it, and they were just like nothing would faze me. Now little gnat bites me and I swell up like that. Amen. Little things from hell. There are some things that exist in this world. I don't know why they're here. Other than to provide sermon illustrations. I have no idea why they're here. But this issue of glory is self-inflicted. Sin repels the glory. Say it with me. Sin, Sin repels, repels the glory. glory. Holiness, Holiness attracts, attracts the glory. glory. Which one is better? Say purity. purity. Say it again. Say purity. Paul said this in Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, verse 1, We instructed you how to live in order to please God. In a fact, you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord just to uh, do more and more for you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. Say it with me. Sin Sin repels the glory. You're going to have to desire the glory of God more than do your pet sin. Pastor, there's no sin in this building. Look at my face. It's just possible there's a little bit of sin that walked in here. Don't move around. I won't know it's you. Just The point is, we've got to get to the point where we understand that we're going to have to please God if we want to see that measure of glory and deal with the little things that are there. Amen? And it's not just you know, immorality of, of the, you know, the body itself. There are a lot of Christians who are verbally impure. We want to just focus on one thing you're missing. the point. What is it that maybe God's been dealing with you about for a long time? It could be, you know, some impure act in your life. It could be some substance you're involved in. Uh, it could be something you just refuse to, to release to the Lord. You, really, you, forgive, you know, refuse to forgive somebody, refuse to you know, deal with them in a Christ-like manner. What is it? Or it could be the misuse of the mouth. And I, uh, I wish that uh, you know, people would model this in, in ministry, but now we have preachers out there that they're justifying using the pulpit and cussing in the pulpit so they can relate to the people they're preaching to. How I many you know we, the word relates to people right as it is? We don't have to add things to it so folks will connect with us. What somebody sitting under that ministry should understand is that is an impure verbal leader and should repent of that stuff. Amen. 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 Now, unintentional slips are one thing, but intentionally cussing to be relative to people and help them understand where you're coming from. Now, they understand fully where you're coming from. Your mouth needs to be redeemed. And believers, you know, running each other in the ground. What is that all about? That is not a manifestation of love and therefore it's not going to produce purity. It's not going to produce the glory of God in your life. Amen. And, I, you know, and I, I've told you this before that, that God's servants out there are not yours to cut on with your teeth in your mouth. No. You didn't call them. So get your mouth off of them. Well, I don't do this and I don't do that. I don't do this and I don't do this. I don't, I don't cuss. I don't chew. don't hang around with the girls that do. I don't know all that stuff. I'm just pure before the Lord. But you run your mouth. Yeah. Boy, it's getting quiet in this church. <laughs> I hear what some of y'all are saying. Just conclude. Just conclude. Just conclude. No, I'm not going to conclude. I'm not done yet. How much do we want the glory of God? Are we willing to put that tongue on the altar? Are we willing to stop cutting on each other? Their ministries, their entire existence, is there to criticize and demean other people that are preaching the gospel because they don't agree 100% with their doctrine. But the past several months has gotten even worse than that. We're people. There's a crackpot in the Nashville area who came out just the other day and said that Joel Osteen was a devil worshiper. What? Now, you understand what's happening here? Now, I'm not going to call the crackpot's name out. I'm, I'm not, that's just not what I'm called to do. But I can tell you this. That kind of nonsense is so far removed from the call of God. How about you just preach the gospel for a change, and get your mouth off of other men's amen ministry, and get your mouth off of God's servants? That stuff's not going to fly. And he called another man of God with international ministry a pedophile. Now you want to build a ministry off of hate? Go right ahead and do that. It won't take people like me calling that stuff out. I'm telling you prophetically, if it doesn't stop, you're going to find some people die right in the pulpit, amen, with a microphone in their hand. Their mouths are impure and it needs to stop. Yes. God didn't call you to criticize and cut into mean. He called you to preach the gospel and to love. Amen. Furthermore, if you really believe somebody is a devil worshipper, apply the word of God to it and go to them one on one. Thou that knowest not the scripture. Amen. Are you here today? Now that's an extreme of what's going on out there in our lives. We just need to knock it off and curb it. If that's the area of impurity that we're dealing with. Amen. Amen. Just like those men of God are not the servants of that preacher. Amen. Your brothers and sisters are not your servants. No, that's right. That's right. That's right. Amen. If you want to walk in glory... You're going to have to please God. And to please God, you're going to have to walk in a thing called purity. Purity of thought. Say, purity of thought. Purity Purity of action. Purity of motive. Purity of mouth. mouth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, Pastor, I don't know. You know, coming to this church, y'all just too serious about the things of God. Too serious. (laughs) Amen. Folks, we are losing our country. Right in front of our eyes, we have got to speak up. Speak the truth in love, but dear God, speak up. We have a national media that praised a movie called Cuties that glorified the sexualization of little kids, the widespread perversion going on in this nation, and has consistently criticized Sound of Freedom, calling it associated with a cult and with conspiracy theories. When you hear people start talking about truth coming out and they call it conspiracy theory, it's really what they're trying to do is bury the truth. It's too late. The Holy Ghost is already ripping the scab off of this scourge in the world and our kids are going to be protected. And listen, you would think that everybody in the national media can get on board with protecting little kids unless you're either one yourself or you're a co-conspirator with them. Listen to what I'm saying. Have you ever thought there'd be a day when someone would not get on board with anything to protect the children? Let me help you out here. It'd be better for them to have a millstone tied around their neck and drop into the sea than they offend one of these little ones. And we're not talking about a little bitty grain thing. We're talking about a thousand pound millstone. No coming back from that. Blub, blub, blub. This ought to make every thinking human being, not just Christian, want to take up arms in defense of these kids. And they're defending these people? Trying to undermine the message that's going out? Why would you do it? I'm not a big fan of Ricky Gervais. Most of you know he's a comedian and a foul mouth. But he did the Golden Globes a couple years ago, and uh, I, just, I just cracked up thinking somebody's speaking truth and doesn't even know it. <laughs> and he said something publicly about uh, Epstein. And the entire audience moaned when he brought up the person's name. And Ricky said, shut up, I know he's your friend. <laughs> That's where we're at today. People in high powerful places with money and influence. That's what's really going on, amen? Amen. And we don't have time to be cutting and undermining each other. We need to be supporting one another and unifying in the gospel to deal with this thing. Amen? I believe it. I said, I believe it. I believe God is raising up power horses all over this world to deal with this thing. Amen? And said I'm part of the solution, not the problem. They're just mad that Sound of Freedom beat Dr. Jones. I mean, the movie was half dead before it was ever released. But What's happened is people are waking up. Amen. Say it. The glory of God glory requires God. that we please God. Pleasing God requires that we're pure. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a big clap. Thank Him for that. He's pure. And we are pure. Purity pleases God. Number two, faith pleases God. Without faith, it is impossible to what? To please God. So when you read about the things of God and the glory of God, you want to believe. You want to say, I'm with that. I agree with that. Everything you see in Scripture, every manifestation of His power, His goodness, amen, His presence, is tied to His people actually believing." So, Mark 11 is all about, you can sail that mountain be removed. Well, guess what? It's, it requires faith to do things like that. And it requires faith to see the hand of God move in your life. You say, why did He do it that way? Well, that's just the way He did it. He's God and we are not. But when you look at Hebrews 11, you see an absolute history of people who dared to believe God and the amazing things they did. Are right, you hearing what I'm saying to you? And even where he talks about some prophets and those that were actually done away with because of the sword, they never gave up on their faith. They never denounced the Lord in the process. Turn to somebody and say, "If you don't bow, you're never going to burn." Come on, and say it. If I don't bow, I'm not going to burn. He that comes to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Say, "I believe he is, and I believe he rewards." He is accelerating glorification in our lives, but He's going to do it by faith. Where you believe if He did it once, He can do it again. Amen? Amen. Number three, obedience pleases God. 1 John 3, 22, And whatever we do, uh, and whatever we ask, uh, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. Say it, Obedience, obedience. pleases Him. John eight twenty nine and he who sent me is with me. He has not let me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. There's a consistency he's pointing out of pleasing his Father. That's what we're looking for. I don't know at what point in time this thing kicks in for us in terms of the glorification of the believer and the manifest presence, power, and goodness. I can tell you this, we need to have a habit of believing him, a habit of obeying him, consistency in doing what he tells us to do. Psalm 19.14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing or acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my God and my Redeemer. Hallelujah. If he tells us to do something, what do we do? Now, you know, Todd talked about uh, driving away from an assignment. Isn't it nice for him to give me sermon illustrations like that? It's wonderful. (laughs) And what did the Spirit of God say about it? Go back. And what did Todd say? I pray he's not there when I get there. <laughs> and uh, I hear that holy tone in your laughter. Anybody here do the same thing ever? Yeah. Seemingly inconvenient or difficult or challenging. But to go back and to complete the assignment. Now you've heard me say that uh, walking with God, there is a, an accumulation effect. In our in our lives, there's a a demonstration of faithfulness that takes place. You see that in our giving, being consistent, say consistency. Consistency. Glory would always say, "It's in our consistency that lies the power." It's the same thing here. We get into a habit where we consistently obey Him. What ends up happening is He says that my servant obeys me. You know what? They they walking in faith towards me, and they're walking in purity. It catches His attention, and the result is going to be that you please Him. And that there's more glorification happening in your life, more of the restoration of His presence, power, and goodness in your life. But there needs to be a track record of it. How many have a track record of being in church? You don't have to apologize. How many have a track record of praying and seeking God? How about a track record of reading the Word? How about a track record of being a giver and a sower? There's a record there. And I am telling you that the hand of God, the yacht of God, is just waiting to use somebody in a powerful way. the one that will please him. Say it, please, please God. Please him with what? Please him with purity. Please him with your faith. Please him with your obedience. There are ten spies that said, you know what, we can't take the land. There were two that were on God's side and one said, we can surely take that mountain. The Bible says that Caleb, he silenced the people in the presence of God and he said, we can surely do what God has called us to do. You understand that it was a delay for him, but eventually he took his mountain. If there are majority in your life that are telling you not to obey God, you go ahead and obey God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? you got a bunch of people telling you, don't go this way, go this way. No, you stick with God because there's a lot at stake here. Amen. The glory of God. Say, He's changing me. Come on, He's saying, He's changing me. He's changing changing me. Through salvation. Through justification. Through adoption. Through redemption. Through impartation. Are you here today? Through sanctification. And through what glorification, Glorification. He's changing you. How many raise hands? Say, "I'll do whatever God wants me to do. I want to be qualified. I want to please Him." Let's pray about that today.